What's up, everybody, and welcome back to After Dragons. This is episode seven of our creator interview series, and we're joined today by the CEO and founder of Bad Idea Comics, uh, Dinesh Shamdasani. Dinesh, welcome, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Co-CEO. Co-CEO, you know, yes. Uh, I, I do not have to wear the entire burden alone anymore, which is a <laughs> lovely feeling. That's awesome. You can you can uh, have more throats to choke than one there. Is, <laughs> yes. And how many folks are sharing that seat? Is it Warren Simmons as well? Yeah, Warren. Warren Simons is my co-CEO. We're both co-CEOs, co-CCOs, which okay. is chief creative officer. Awesome. Um, which is, you know, it's it's nice to have a partner. At Valley and I was sole CEO and sole CCO. And it's a heavy burden, man. So it's nice right. having a partner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely something I want to talk to you about as well. Your time with Valiant, and we want to talk about the the Bloodshot movie. That's cool. That's recently come out, and then kind of the this plan for Bad Idea Comics as it's rolling out this Great. year. Um, Let's do it. Uh, as I was kind of explaining before we started, I I stumbled on Bad Idea through making sure I had all of Juan Jose Rip's art on pre order or on my pull lists, and uh, after finding the solicit for Tankers by Robert Venditti, um, man, I was, I was hooked on the bad idea. I think that this solicit is, is wild. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here for the listeners and, um, the cover already. And some of the pencils are, are top notch, kind of what we come to expect. Do you see the new cover? Do you see the one we put out yesterday? Was that the one with, uh, La Rosa? Yeah. 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 Dude, it's looking great. He's a beast. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. man. um, Let's see here, the tankers number one solicit. Let me just read real quick here. Okay, we've got the CEO of a global energy conglomerate, Greenleaf Oil, who's just discovered a terrifying secret. The planet only has a decade or less of petroleum left before it's gone forever, but he has a plan to make sure his great-great-grandchildren can continue to generate maximum shareholder value and secure his own legacy in the process. Rather than develop a game-changing renewable energy source through the power of corporate innovation, Greenleaf has perfected the next best thing, time travel. Hell yeah. Okay, so so we've got a team of six field rat contractors armed to the teeth in individually customized mech suits going back to the Cretaceous period to basically tweak the trajectory of the meteor that killed the dinosaurs to give mankind a, a longer run at things, huh? Um, yeah. It's just such a crazy solicit and a, a powerhouse of a team with Robert Venditti writing and and Juan Jose there on on the art. Um, I think it's solicited still for the end of March with number one. Uh, beginning of April. It'll beginning be of first April. Week of April. Yeah. Okay, great. And that's it's not the first book that Bad Idea is rolling out. That's actually going to be um, Iniac, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is the second book. Um, awesome. But it's crazy, man. It's like a politically charged Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> and it's and this book ramps up it just ramps ramps all the way up yeah the uh the, the first cover solicit we got was just in with black and white pencils showing everyone sitting in their mechs and you can tell it's uh it's going to be a high caliber book and then just recently as you mentioned the um the colored cover or an alternate cover was teased here by i think his first name is lewis yeah, Louis LaRosa. Um, by Louis LaRosa. And uh, that cover is fire, man. It has one of the mechs <laughs> standing on top of a pile of, of dead dinosaurs, just, you know, shooting some petrodactyls out of the sky. It's uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the first one we put out was a bit of a um, uh, wild goose chase. We like to, at Bad Idea, we've got a, we've got a long runway of plans. And, and we had such a long runway, we decided to build a couple of um, red herrings. So that first cover is not, we're never going to print it actually. It was just something to, to trick people for a little while. I see. That's we just the solicit, huh? Yeah. Hey, so, so this cup, this new one then with La Rosa is going to be mm-hmm. the A cover. That's going to be A cover, but there's tons of surprises, man. And everything we do a bad idea. Yeah. I've seen some, some very cool surprises coming around the corner as well as the B sides um, yeah. project with the, with the comics. So could, could yeah, you we're explain put, a little bit about that? Sure. It's in, in many ways, it's a throwback. We're going to put backup stories into every one of the books that we uh, publish at Bad Ideas. So very similar to EC Comics, or you know what, Marvel used to do this. Uh, Strange Tales 110 is a great example. 
where they have a, a, a story that's, I think it's Peat Pot Paste fighting the Human Torch. And then the backup, the B side in that case was the first appearance of Doctor Strange. Hmm. So we love that idea. It gives us the ability to try different genres, riskier content, uh, really push the envelope um, with the shorter stories, the shorter uh, um, uh, amount of resources we need to put into it. Right. And so we've just had a blast with that. Now, I think it's going to be a cool way to to make those issues unique and and keep the stories coming. I saw that the original um, or the current format is going to be two issues a month, or for, for yeah, that idea, or around two. Yeah, we're we're a very strange company in the sense that the way I found to best explain it, as we've been talking about it, is the first thing you got to understand about bad ideas. We're not trying to be Marvel or Baby Marvel or build an empire which basically every other company is trying to do. Why not? I mean, that's business, right? This is really a group of people that really had a blast working together that are coming together to hopefully make cool comics. And so there's no variance, a bad idea. There's no digital, there's no trades, no hardcovers. Uh, we're gonna publish a small amount of books, no more than two a month. We're gonna make them super high quality, um, really nice uh, uh, cardstock covers, a lot of extra pages whenever we feel like we need it the backups and the B-sides, uh, just having a blast. It's just churning out some quality products or kind of some examples of really what comics are like at yeah. their essence, right? Outside of some of the 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 capitalism and the, the push of, of marketing with FOCs and, and modern comics. It's a much yeah, different not approach. Yeah. Not worrying about market share and things like that. All that stuff is important. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's viable. Our entire society is based around it. It's right. just so rare that you get to unplug from that. So we don't even have offices. There's no bad idea offices. It's That's not part awesome. of the plan. We don't work <laughs> remotely. And it allows us to just take that money that we would spend on rent, lighting, et cetera. Just make more books, make cooler books. Use it creatively, huh? Yeah. So the, the team you've got with you at, um, at Bad Idea, they're all folks that you've worked with here in the past? Um, for, the, for the most part, like the core team is, yeah, it's uh, Warren Simons is the co-CEO and co-CCO. I worked with him at Valiant. He was the editor-in-chief. Um, Josh Johns uh, is the head of marketing. We worked together at Valiant again. He ran all of Valiant Digital. Adam Freeman's the director of sales. He ran the entire sales department at Valiant as, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And then Hunter Gorenson is our publisher. He ran a lot of the PR and marketing at Valiant. Everyone, I feel bad with the titles because everyone, the system that we have is everyone does basically everything. So, everyone's wearing all the hats, huh? Yeah, they're all really, they're. I think they're some of the most talented people in comics. They're really, really, really good at the things they're not even expert at. And so everyone just chips in. Good at, good at kind of figuring it out or getting around those yeah. obstacles. It's, yeah. not, it's pretty cool. You've got that, that team coming from, the, from your time with Valiant. Um, what, what years were you CEO at Valiant? I was at Valiant from, it's too long. I was at Valiant from uh. 2004 until 2018. The beginning of 2018, really the end of 2017. I was CEO. We weren't publishing the whole time. I'm trying to remember. I, I was CEO the whole time we were publishing, but we, I spent the first eight years not knowing anything about comics, not knowing anyone, not knowing how to make any of this work, making every mistake you could, thankfully, in a very small scale. Hmm. And then starting in 2011, we started building the actual launch and then launched in 2012. So I, I was see. CEO probably from about 2011, if I can remember right. Awesome. Awesome, man. So there was some trial and error there in the in the journey to get to get yeah, to the to that. Success, I was super huh? young, man, and I was just a valiant fan, and never thought I'd end up being in charge of it. A long, convoluted story of circumstances that I won't bore you with. That that really was just the previous company had had mismanaged it to the point where no one had any faith in what they were uh, getting involved in. So it fell to me and my high school buddy, actually, who were just we were both comic fans. And then oh, we were wow. like, oh no, how does this work actually? And comics is a complicated, unintuitive business. So it took a long, a long time to try and figure it out. A unique industry for sure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, for my day job, I work in the software industry for cannabis. Oh, cool. So I'm, uh, oh, I'm cool. fam familiar with unique industries sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some, it's some very similar. There. Yeah. Because in, both industries are still, they're kind of rebel. They're kind of, uh, doing everything they can to survive. At the same time, there's a tremendous amount of innovation. You kind of make the rules up as you go along. 
Right. That's definitely seems to be the one of the tenets of bad idea as yeah. as the solicits and news have rolled out, especially with um, kind of not being available on your everyday solicits and your. Oh, I forgot that part. That's the worst part shop, right? of what it's we're the, doing. Yeah, we're it's in the where stores. is bad idea, huh? Yeah, we're we're only in. Um, I mean, less than five percent of the stores. We're in. We just announced uh, wave two of stores yesterday. We're now in 250 locations. Saw that going going worldwide now, huh? Touching yeah. the, touching the different aspects of the or different countries now. Where before it was only in the U.S. Huh? We had so much interest. We the plan initially called for 25 stores by launch, which will be this March, and we we've had to break that 25, 50, 100, 150. Now it's 250. <laughs> but everything bad oh, idea has wow. been that way. We just got our first orders in for ENIAC one. The stores just put their first orders in. And I'm probably saying too much here, but I mean, we're stressing because the orders were so big. We don't have enough copies to fill them. That's awesome. So actually probably later today, we'll be sending the stores an email saying, hey, does anyone want less copies? Uh, Trying to make sure what's actually needed, huh? (laughs) Yeah, which I don't think a publisher has ever done. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so really handling it, um, just handling things as they come, huh? working oh, yeah. like a more oh, yeah. modern publisher or more modern industry or part of the industry. Yeah? Modern, certainly. I think it's probably that problem is a combination of uh, luck. We got lucky. The stores really believed in us and incredible incompetence on our part. We did not bet strongly enough <laughs> on ourselves when, when printing the book. I uh, should have put, should have put more in, huh? In the beginning. Yeah, probably. It's awesome to see the store support and um, just a, a ton of tweets coming out of, all these stores that have received the bad idea framed uh, advertisement yeah. and those bad idea solicits that came out this week on new comic book day. So it's cool to see the support building up man. faster and faster. Yeah. It's starting to feel a little bit like our launch would be just a small, tiny little indie event, which is nice because we initially thought we'll just put some books out there. Maybe some people read them. Most people won't even know they exist. And that'd be cool. Just kind of start rolling out the books quietly, but now it's de- you've definitely got some people listening, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, we never really thought we'd, we would be anything but quiet. It's just the whole thing is just crazy because nobody knows these characters. They're completely, right. you know, brand new. So to have people engage with them so quickly is really, it's really nice. And was that the intent there for Bad Idea as well to just build up a new wheelhouse of kind of unique characters or different situations? Or was there a genre focus here out the gate? There, yes and no. We We talked a little bit about do we start with uh, seeing if there's something that people know and, and is available that we can license or buy and publish from there. But I ultimately, we, we were very lucky. At Valiant, we, we checked a lot of the boxes, right? We launched, relaunched really successfully. We became the template for how to do that, template for how to bring characters back. We innovated a bunch, set a bunch of sales records, got something like 500 awards and, or nominations. We were the best read publisher in the business. The one big box we didn't check is we didn't build the house that we had refurbished. That was built by the original Valiant creators, Jim Shooter and Bob Layden, David Lapham, Aaron right. Smith, all those Kevin guys. Van Hook, huh? Yeah, Kevin yeah. Van Hook. He's actually the the first comic creator I've ever met uh, face-to-face. Oh, yeah? yeah, I was, I was wandering amazing. around lost at a Comic-Con, not really knowing what I was supposed to be doing there, and uh, struck up a conversation with him about script writing and stuff. He's a, oh, cool. a cool dude. <laughs> He's great, man. I just, I just spoke to him the other day. Um, but, uh, but we didn't, you know, we created new characters as supporting characters. And we did one or two brand new books like Divinity that were already within, they were in the existing architecture. But to do something from scratch, it's probably the hardest thing to do in comics. And so we thought, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Right, right. Building What's thing that happens is we fail. We try. <laughs> yeah. So we thought we'd be very quiet that way. And you can always fail forward, right? But this time, yeah. uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a make a bang, I think, because everyone's going to be paying attention. At least it seems like there's some big names on the titles you have coming oh, yeah. through yeah, yeah. with Matt Kent on ENIAC. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the the team on Tankers, but I saw some that Zeb Wells has yeah. uh, Sleigh Bells coming down the line. I've been reading Hellions by Zeb Wells. And uh, yeah, it's it's my it's one of my favorite ongoings right now because of all the Mister Sinister humor. Awesome, he's super funny. Sleigh Bells <laughs> is I don't know what we're thinking with that book, man. It, it's a it's a Christmas book that comes out in July, <laughs> yeah. and even more than a Christmas book, it's like if you've ever wanted to see Santa as an action hero, this is your book. And I don't know that anyone has ever asked for Santa as an action hero. 
He's here taken, we go. He's You're taken to it. the trenches now, huh? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, what else is in the lineup this year? I saw that um, the other one I remember is The Lot. Yeah, we've got Walesville and The Lot. Walesville is kind of a Pixar Miyazaki thing. It's the story of a, a, a kid on a whaling ship. He gets knocked overboard, swallowed by a giant whale, finds himself in the belly of the whale, and there's a whole town in there, Walesville. Uh, populated by like talking crab, talking seagull, etc., and they yes. don't know that they're in a whale. They think that's the whole world, and he knows his father, the captain of the whaling ship, is going to hunt this whale down. For you know, he thinks his his son died, so he's got to get everyone out. And then the lot, and it's beautifully drawn. That's Matt Kin and Adam Polina, and the art is incredible in that book. I see. That's kind of a cave allegory going on, huh? As he, yeah. as, he as he enters the whale and tries to convince everyone that it's. It's not the shadows on the wall that they have all thought, huh? Yeah, and look, we don't we don't try to be political by any means. We're not we're not looking to to have a viewpoint politically. Nobody needs that. They want entertainment. They want escapism. But at the same time, this is a, a struggle that that the human condition has been involved in since since we started recording history. What right. we call the echo chamber now is something that we've been dealing with for a long time. And as right. you say, having the that, that kind of societal influence you know on what on yeah. what's what it's always it's yeah. always interesting to challenge that especially if you can use the story of finding a town within a whale to do so <laughs> yeah we're, we're we're all blessed with the incredible minds that we have that can understand these broader concepts but we're cursed with the fact that we only ever perceive the world through our senses and this is an allegory for that as much as anything else right yeah that's a it's an interesting way to to look at it as a as a curse there as, as being lim so limited to the senses yeah. there's another thing that's um always felt like a curse and that that's linguistic relativity just the idea that yeah. because of the experiences that i have and the definitions for words that i have that what i'm actually saying to you is not really what i intended it's yeah. if you start thinking about that too it, it, language fails us absolutely wild. yeah that's where the comic no, medium can help huh Totally. And that's what they say words, pictures are worth a thousand words. The lot actually deals with that a little bit. I'm, I'm, that's a great segue because the lot is the story of, it's a haunted house story. It takes place on a, on a movie studio lot. And the idea is that in decades ago, a Stanley Kubrick-like auteur director was making a horror film that involved the occult. And he was a perfectionist. He wanted realism. So he brought a real cult in to perform a real ritual that he nice. didn't believe. And they accidentally conjured something and uh, there was blood and mayhem and the studio shut it down, covered it up. The lot is haunted the stage. I should say is haunted. And so they've, they've essentially uh, um, put the stage away. They've locked it away. And our story starts with the new CEO of the uh, our new head of the studio, I should say. Uh, and she's looking through the books and she finds this giant space right in the middle of downtown LA, really prime real estate. Why is it on the books? They're spending millions to just upkeep it, to keep it locked away. She doesn't know anything about what happened in the past. And uh, she unearths it. But of course, as you're saying, lingu linguistic relativity, there are some miscommunications um, with language and we find ourselves in a horror story. And Marguerite Bennett's writing that uh, with Renato Guidas. And, uh, nice. and Marguerite's just, a, she is a font of knowledge when it comes to the horror genre. And so she's really elevated that to a place where it's super innovative, despite being a genre that's been very well trodden. Right. Being able to explore some new areas or put a fresh lens over it there with, uh, with Marguerite at the, at the helm. Yeah. And she's a true visionary. I mean, her script on this, on this book has been not your traditional comic book script. It is full of little visual details, marketing details, PR details, just all sorts of stuff, backstory. She's oh. really built a whole, much like the director in the story, she's become very much the auteur of this story, along with Renato. And so very cool. I'm excited for people to see it. The first scene alone is just horrifying, which is a very hard thing to do in our medium. It sets the tone, huh? One it of those, just scares uh, the shit out of you. That's awesome. <laughs> it's not cool. It's just, even reading the script, I was like, this is not cool. It's going to be awesome, but people are going to be unhappy. Yeah, it's going to be a, a jarring page turn there, huh? Oh, yeah. That's always good to play with the play with the medium and, and and keep things fresh there. Where does the lot fall in the release order? Um, so the lot will come out. See, uh, Eniac is March, Tankers is April, uh, Walesville is May, June. The lot okay. is in June. And then something else I noticed in those solicits a connection with the Cloverleaf, um, the Cloverleaf company. Is there a shared universe at 
at play here or the potential for one, or is that not, not in all, the cards yet? Everyone, we're trying not to build a shared universe, but everyone worked together at a shared universe. And so we can't help ourselves. I don't know that it is a shared universe or isn't yet, or that I'm even comfortable explaining which one it is, but, but I right. think that'll be part <laughs> of the journey. Nice. But I will say the eight pages are, are a fun way for us to, to kind of play with that as well. In fact, one of the things that people, the only thing that we've put out so far is the hero trait, which began life as an eight pager. It was going to mm -hmm. go into ENIAC. We liked it so much, we gave it its own platform. Um, and that is really giving people a sense of, that there might be something more connected going on here. I see. That's the hero trade uh, number one, right? Yeah, that's the book that we put out. We did a little, we did a little naughty thing with that. We, all the stores had to either shut down, they were either forced to, or they, they had to because the business because of COVID, and right. uh, it was a very hard time for retailers. And one of the stores called us and said, "Hey, you know what? You haven't published, but people are excited about your book. If you would have put out an ash can, people would get excited. It would help the stores sell it for a little bit of money, twenty, thirty dollars." This is a way for you to help. We said, great, we'd love to do that. We did it in a mean way, though. We built, we had David Lapham draw a Matt King story, the Hero Trade. We okay. printed it on black and white on this like cheap textured paper. We sent it to one per bad idea store with a letter. The letter said, we, it wasn't addressed bad idea. We didn't put the creative team on it, just a like an <laughs> independent book, self-published book. And the letter said, hey, love your store, which is true. This is my first comic book, technically true. Would love you to put it on the shelf and sell it for $3.99. If you want more, they're three bucks a piece, email theherotrade at gmail.com. Hmm. We knew full well that the direct market is not set up to support unknown independent books like this. So we didn't figure we'd get many orders. We got about 60 orders from about four stores. Order deadline passes and we tweet to the world, first bad idea books in stores. People go, what, what are you talking about? I go, oh, yeah, it's called the hero trade. And it's like, whatever, you guys are full of shit. And then we put a picture up and the fans are still like, what is this nonsense? But the store owners are like, oh no, oh no. And all the fans are like, what, what are you guys talking about? Oh no, I threw that away. Or I put that in the dollar bin or I've got to go oh, fish it man. out. I start remember and seeing then, the ad and seeing the book come through, huh? Oh my God, they were, they were freaking out. And then, it, and then it, it became, it got out of control, like way more than we thought. Book is like, thousand dollar book now if you can find a copy yeah i just People saw were... the last sold listing is like a thousand bucks on ebay showing maybe 300 100. copies printed total 254 copies we Dude. didn't think we thought it'd be a 20 40 dollar book i but missed were... the rush there man <laughs> i don't know where i was <laughs> we're gonna reprint the story in eniac so oh, if you read eniac cool. Uh, it'll be in either issue two or three. We're trying to figure that out now. Well, a way to get the story story out still, huh? And now you have that yeah. that ash can out there as your splash, man. What and what an entry to really have just one book and have it just yeah. soar away. That's a it was crazy, cool man. They were lines it to the stores. Lines around the block. We we heard about some fights that broke out. One store ripped the book up and laminated every page. I mean, it was crazy. Oh wow! So they they yeah. re reassembled it after figuring out who who and what it was. They, they, they couldn't decide who to give it to in their store. So they just laminated it and they said, anyone who wants to come in and read it, read it. We had a store owner who said he had to turn his phone off for two days. He was getting so many calls. Oh, wow. Just trying to see if, if their copy was still available, if that yeah. one was still there. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. And it, and it plays so much on that kind of like rush of comics that they've had in different eras where just the whole, yeah. the whole scene is just clamoring to get one. The comic shop is that kind of hot hotbed of action that kind of thing there's right exactly right there's definitely books that come out now that still create that that buzz and that and that kind of clamor but man not not as much as what the hero trade did from what i'm seeing here already <laughs> it's a bit of a throwback right we're, we're very much we're only in comic book stores we very much want people to read the books physically have the experience of having to go out and get it which we're asking people a lot but I think once the books drop, people will see that we're offering them a lot as well. Right, right. No, it's um, I'm I'm lucky to have a few bad ideas stores here in Las Vegas, so I was able to track that down. Yeah, definitely, dude. It's always it's always a a perk of remote working, right? Got to get to be close to the family and, and dude, get to create close to home. Part. Yeah, I get to I get to be up with them every morning. I get to make the breakfast. I get to put them down at night. That's awesome. Otherwise, I'd be in meetings. 
right? Or, or, or just driving to work or dealing with the kind of day-to-day that office life can can force on you. Yeah. Usually, also the other thing is usually if I get a meeting that get canceled or a phone call that got moved, usually I'll be like, okay, hey, what else needs to get done? Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to take half that time, take 20 minutes. I'm going to just spend it with the kids. Find some, some time to appreciate things, huh? Yeah, I'll go read them a story or something. It's cool. Nice, nice. <laughs> and you guys are located in California? Yeah, downtown LA. Okay, cool, cool. Right in the what about you? Right in the center. I'm in Las Vegas. Um, oh, you're in Vegas. Ten or fifteen minutes here away from the Strip. Yep. Cool. Of course, cannabis. That's where it all is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite the quite the scene here. But now I'm looking forward to things kind of lightening up, so we can get back over to LA and travel around there again. It's really cool to be Let me know when you get down to Southern here, California. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to I'll have to touch base there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, man, I'm. I think that the the bad idea approach is something really unique. And as a comic book reader, I wasn't really a fan of the traditional superheroes. I've, I've never seen the Avengers. Um, oh, it's yeah? not really my it's not my bag. But the okay. unique like medium of comics and some of the stories that yeah. un, that fall out of it are have always just you know captured my imagination, man. And I think sure. that you've promised a good slate here. You know, it got me on the edge of my seat waiting to see any act. <laughs> you're, you're the perfect kind of person for, for bad idea. I think it, I, I hopefully, I hope we can be broad, but if you're, if you love the medium, but superheroes aren't your whole bag, then I think that's kind of how we feel. There's so much more that you can do with comics. Um, and it's, it's, it's become just superheroes over the last 50 years. But before that, again, EC comics, man, I mean, science right. horror fantasy incredible stuff right it kind of got its the comics actually by the way i understand it kind of got their origins in more of the horror or romance western yeah, style fine. comic books yeah, totally. before they were kind of shelved by by the 50s you know yeah. clean and pristine style society absolutely <laughs> comics really only took hold because of the um uh, were the selection of the innocent trial uh, the senate hearing where they had to clean everything up and it was easy to do that with superheroes and Archie than it was to do it with horror and science fiction. Right. Right. No, it's, it's interesting to see what, what's shaken out, man. And, uh, with, with a lot of indie publishers in the mix, it's always something I'm looking out for. Typically I've got some main books that I pull my ongoings, but it's really always the gems, the diamonds in the rough that I'm searching, you know, those, those indie publisher finds or those art unique kind of artists and writer combinations, that kind of thing. What have you, what have you found recently? Oh uh, man, I've uh, recently I've been reading a th- few things from AWA as cool. well as I've uh, been enjoying, enjoying a lot from Image. Maybe they're not as indie as they used to be. Yeah. Uh, Antarctic Press good. has a, cool. uh, some smaller titles coming out through them as well. Uh, cool. it's, it's good storytelling. It's cool to see the Kickstarters is coming through and yeah. Scout Comics selection. Yeah, as they've got a uh, a really wide range of indie creators working with their with their stories. Dude, you are a treasure hunter. You you love it. You go all the way down the, the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, man. I've just been uh, spending too much time scrolling those FOCs on the uh, on the other podcast episodes. We talk about the pregame on a weekly basis, and it's basically a rundown of which books are coming out so or what's uh, what's exciting for the week, that kind of thing. Dude, do you know a writer named Ezra Clayton Daniels? Uh, I do not, no. He's, he's not very well known, but he's maybe the most talented writer of the last 10 years. He wrote a book called Upgrade Soul, which you have to check out. Everything you're telling me, this is going to be something you really enjoy, I think. Right up the alley, huh? Yeah, it blew me away. Someone recommended it to me beginning of COVID. It just, I haven't been able to get over it. I must have read it seven times in the last year. Awesome. Awesome, man. I'll have to check it out here. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Oh, he's a uh, writer and illustrator, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he changes. The weird thing is he changes his style with every book pretty dramatically. It's all hmm. very strong storytelling. But I can't think of another artist that does that. Usually you uh, hone your style. There's like a trajectory. Right, there's kind of a one um, yeah. one approach or something similar there. Yeah. Nice, man. I'll have to check, check that out for sure. Um, the writers on the Scout comic side that I've enjoyed as would be jordan thomas and um jonathan hedrick cool. as well his cool. Cool. his um titled the recount was oh, I heard that's good it was appropriately or perfectly released with the current times yeah um, but it was also really a, an ace story and kind of something unique it was gr- it was gritty <laughs> i gotta check it out this yeah. weekend 
Um, yeah, man, uh, are you a, a comic book creator as well, a writer and illustrator? No, I, I, I try, you know, there's so many publishers that, um, this is gonna be a weird answer. There's so many publishers, I, can, I think all of them kind of abuse the position to publish a story. And I, I see. I've read so many of them and I'm always like, ah, it's clearly a step down in terms of ability that I just don't want to go anywhere near that. I'd like to keep that church and state separation. I see. When, you've right. got, <laughs> when you get to work with writers like Matt Kinn and Robin Diddy and Josh Dysart, right? like Some you prime just, scripts coming through. Yeah, be cool. Let them do their help them do their job. Don't go in there and try and do it. So no, I try try and stay away. Right. So that's where your role really comes in in facilitating the communication there. Or did you build the some of the initial teams, or did they come to yeah, you? Yeah, sure. As... It's all no, no. It's it's all a team. It's all it's all everyone's involved. Everyone's creatively involved. Everyone's involved publishing. It works both ways. Uh, it's very collaborative. It's why I think we've all continued to work together and why I've had success. But because it like, shows everyone kind of every part of the business instead of that yeah. one that one hat or that one role that can start to feel mundane or unimportant, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for instance, the hero trait. I'll give you that, that example because it gets me not to have to talk about me. Was we were at Comics Pro, which is the kind of industry. Uh, um, publisher retailer event and about five of us went from bad idea matt kent we brought matt kent there and uh warren uh the co-ceo was having a drink with matt uh i can't remember what the rest of us are doing we might have had a meeting or something and they were just talking about the business and talking about story and i think matt uh, warren pitched him like hey what if we had like a superman type character that's in the trunk and this guy's driving around trying to sell pieces of it matt loved that started cooking on it gave us back a pitch, we developed the pitch, he wrote the story, David Lapham then took it to another level. So it kind of works. That's an example. It doesn't sort of always hitting it come back from across us. the fence. Yeah, but it, it definitely is a back and forth. But listen, man, it's easy to have a back and forth with these guys when they're so freaking talented, you know? And they're that's bringing, the other thing to keep great suggestions to the table for you. I mean, they're the ones doing the heavy lifting. They make, <laughs> they make you feel like you're doing more than you are probably. Uh, yeah, keep in mind running that imagination and yeah, and really producing, huh? Nice. It's a uh, script writing for comics is something new uh, to me. Something that I've been trying recently. Yeah. Where previously I was writing some short fiction, um, but it's definitely an experience to try to adapt um, a story into panel descriptions and working in your page turns in the right moments. Oh yeah, looking at page real estate and things like that is. Uh, a whole game, man. And when it comes to creating the, the media, it's very, it's very different. So much of the work for comic writing, I mean, you really have like two jobs, right? You're, you're breaking the story as you normally would if you were writing a movie or a novel or whatever. And then you're breaking the architecture for the artist. But then you're also giving up so much of what you have as a writer elsewhere because you have a partner in a way you don't have in any other medium in the artist. He's a co storyteller. Right, right. That interlinguistic relativity there as the communication yeah. can uh, go one of two ways there. <laughs> yeah. But that's also wonderful because then what you get to see is you get to see the artist elevate it. And even like we see this all the time, the artist, the great artists will change things up. They'll mm -hmm. say like, oh, I know you had this beat here. I just, I did, I deleted that panel. I didn't think we needed it because I added this little visual beat that solved it. What do you guys think? Ah, uh, so they and can it's like, kind wow, of. Wow, that's better they're understanding some of the intention of the writing and they can, totally. they can run with it, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you want to build towards that. It's great to put people together that have worked together in the past. We try and do that a lot at Bad Idea uh, because then they have a shorthand and the writer writes to the artist. The artist will, will jump in and build knowing what the, the writer is trying to accomplish as well. Right, there's not that tentativeness or the getting to know you period. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you don't really know how controlling you can be over your panel descriptions or or what kind yeah. of critique to give back, that kind of thing. Huh? There's so many big runs in comics that you, you read the first issue or two and it's really good. And then by the third issue, you're like, what happened here? And what happened, I think often is the, the writer gets to look at the pages. They're writing issue three by about the time they get the first pages in and they go, right. oh my God. Uh, Snyder goes, oh my God, Greg Capullo is incredible starts writing towards his strengths. So by the mm -hmm. third issue, now they're just in sync. And right. if they've worked together before, you can kind of uh, jump right that. into that stride, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, man. And when it comes to how you're finding these teams or how books are happening, I've, I saw some interviews and some comments about open submissions and how um, it's actually not a thing for Bad Idea. 
Um, how is the, how is the um, project hunt work for you guys or how do these teams we're shake all, out? We're always looking, we're always looking. Project submission is tough because unless it's a finished book, you get into legal trouble, right? You don't want to read someone's pitch and then you're working on a similar idea. If someone uh, sends a pitch and it was time traveling mechs killing dinosaurs. It's close enough, right? That is, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to say to them, oh, we have the same story. They're going to say, come on, that's so unique. How could you have the same story? It's going to be right. trouble. If right. it's published, there's no problem. But we work with a lot of people we worked with before. We're working with new people all the time. Uh, so it's just kind we're of expanding, expanding the yeah. palette, huh? Nice. Yeah, especially on the artist side. Again, Warren doing a lot of talking about Warren in this interview. Hopefully he listens to it. <laughs> yeah, Warren, it. man, we got, we'll get him on the other other half of the interview here after yeah, maybe yeah. after ENIAC releases. Um, but, uh, but Warren's got a great eye for art. That's, that's something that he does better than anyone else in the company. And so he's always bringing in uh, talent. And see like, see oh that talent God. off of a few, yeah. uh, few sketches or read the portfolio yeah. very well, huh? Yeah, in fact, we've got an artist that I'm so excited about. Uh, for a book we haven't announced, it's Robert Venditti's next book after um, Tankers. It's called Wyoming. And the mm. artist on it is just, in, you know what? I'm making a mistake. The artist is incredible. My mistake is Warren didn't. It's actually Carl Ballas. Here, I can give someone else a shout out. Carl Ballas, who is our managing editor at uh, A Bad Idea, brought uh, this artist in. And he's incredible. Oh, wow. So it's really coming from 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 everywhere when you guys find the talent or find the stories oh, yeah. or the the artists you want to work with. Yeah, yeah. We, we try to empower everyone in the company to, I mean, the best idea wins. So someone has a better idea. Let's do that. <laughs> right. That's a, uh, that should be the catchphrase of bad idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. the best idea wins, bad idea. The best bad idea wins. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's um, some complex board games. Some like they're called Euro games. Like one is called Agricola, for example. Okay. And when you're playing these board games, you're always making the best worst decision. And it's uh, it's close to that, right? Like you have to that make. Awesome. Uh, you have uh, basically three awful scenarios in front of you, and you need to choose mm-hmm. which one you want to commit oh, to. Oh gosh, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, but no, it definitely uh, doesn't seem to be the case here that you've got awful, awful decisions coming with bad idea. Just a good play. They on all words. start, man. They all start as bad ideas. That's the thing about it. Is every idea starts as a terrible idea. Uh, so a little Warren, bit of a... Warren was noodling the hero trade. He was on the phone with me many times noodling that, that idea. And there were so many terrible versions of it. And then I don't know what they were drinking, Stella or what. And it just kind of clicked in that moment. Perfect, uh, Warren tolerance or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So some of, those, um, some of those creative ideas really take their time to be worked through to the finished product, huh? I'll give you the perfect example. The company's name for about a week until we realized what a terrible idea it was, was Trash Panda. We were going to call the, co- the company Trash Panda Comics, nice. which in hindsight is such a terrible idea. I it's would a terrible pre-order name. Trash Panda number one if that were coming out, though. <laughs> As a comic, I agree with you. As a comic, not a bad title for a comic. As a right. company, though, because everyone one. just goes, you guys know that, that that's just a raccoon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are you guys raccoon comics? No, no, no. It's the trash part and the weirdness of the patent. It's just too much. It's right. Scary. It's a lot to a lot to unpack there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the the marketing and some of the um, the branding decisions behind Bad Idea have been really cool to see as well. Oh, sort thanks, of man. the uh, full team effort, like digital digital kind of psychedelic play with colors yeah. and some kind of jarred fonts and things. Um, maybe I don't have the words to explain the style, but it's 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 got no, a unique trying. punch and a unique look. We're trying for something a little analog, you know, that the, when you're surrounded by a certain, you, you know, you look at the shelves, everything's the same. The one thing that's different will stand out, whether it's old or new, it's just different. Right. It cuts through the noise. And one of the things that we felt, and actually Hunter Gorenson has been uh, a really instrumental in this, is this kind of analog approach. So, so much of what you're seeing from us, you're saying you don't have the language, you've just forgotten it. We're just pulling from like old ISP and ISP dial-ups or TV snow or uh, test signals uh, from it from the cable station, just nice, old stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of vibe with the um, you know like after hours, you know the TV yeah. stations shut down, starts yeah. giving you that rundown. Yeah, <laughs> so we're trying to pull from all that stuff. It just it's a bit nostalgic. It's a bit if you're younger, it's totally new, and you're like, what is this wild, crazy thing they've invented? Right. And if you're right. older, they're like, I remember that. Yeah, it's got a I got it's got a little note of nostalgia in there, yeah. as well as being it. And being a new brand or a new company, being able to spark a little bit of nostalgia as a, 
that's a clever a clever twist there man We're sneaky <laughs> good job We're sneaky sneaky little guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always good uh working on the sales side of things like that and or being it's able fun. to see some unplanned um results too yeah <laughs> nice man well as far as other finish things you've seen kind of work through the pipeline how about the we'd spend a little bit of time talking about the bloodshot movie sure and um the really the the process there or kind of how um how your involvement was there it'd be great to see sure see how that went for you i haven't talked to anyone who's directed or worked on that um level of entertainment yet so that, that i mean that's a long it's a long process it was uh 10 years maybe 11 years from starting developing that movie to getting it released and often movies don't even get released no matter how much work you put into it but um wow, uh, 10 years yeah yeah awesome. yeah before we wow. even started working on the comic books hmm. um 2008 started working on that film so i had a partner uh in neil moritz and toby jaffe who they produced the fast and furious films and it's just uh i'm trying to think of how to condense this so we brought we did a whole big writer search for how to crack the movie and a man named jeff wadlow who's a writer director very talented man came in with this awesome idea that why don't we kill the main character in the opening scene, have him come back and want revenge. And then at the end of the first act, we reveal he's done this many times before, it's a big lie. And so what that gives us, what that gives us the ability to push the audience off their comfortable, off their comfort, because you kill the main, the movie star in the first five minutes. Right. Then give them the sense that they're comfortable again, because okay, they get ease back. He's just gonna go through a revenge movie. And then 25 minutes in, again, they're super uncomfortable because they're like, wait, I thought I knew what this movie is. I just saw what I thought was going to be the whole movie in 20 minutes. What's going on? We loved that. But it takes, you know, a long time to, to really dial that in, dial any movie in. Movies, mm -hmm. unlike comic books or so many other mediums, are really, 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 really hard, especially commercial genre movies, because you have to build at the core, you have to build kind of an indie movie. You have to build a relationship movie. And so Bloodshot, we have the story of this man and, and the wife that he's lost. And you have to make that work as if it's a love story. And then on top of that, you have to build a genre movie. So you're really building two movies. And the genre mm -hmm. movie has to be new and innovative, often in a genre that's been done to death. So how do you show the audience something they've never seen before, keep them guessing when they've seen 100 of these movies? That takes years. And Jeff worked on that right. for a long time. So combining but, those two those two stories or making sure the beats fall in the right yeah. place there, that kind of thing. Huh? Yeah. And when then the you go through this whole works out for the movie. Was it more of a summary at first or just kind of broken down by acts or actually scene by scene here, right from the beginning? No. See, Jeff came in and pitched it as a, as a pitch in about 20 minutes. And then he wrote an outline. Uh, and then actually we pitched a director. We pitched Matthew Vaughn who came on board. He had a couple of really smart ideas for the third act came on board and then Jeff started writing it. Awesome. We worked on the script for a long time. Matthew went and did X-Men First Class. And so we brought Eric Heiser on board. Eric is super talented, Academy Award nominee for Arrival. He wrote Secret Weapons at Valiant for us, and he's part of Bad Idea as well. Oh, um, okay. And he did a ton of work uh, on it. We brought, at one point, Michael Bay was on board. At one point, Will Smith was on board. And we brought um, the directors of John Wick. We got a chance to see John Wick early. Wow, and, cool, man. Uh, Chad and Dave were super talented directors. They came on board. We developed with them for a little while. Um, they had so much success with John Wick once it hit VOD that they went into separate, they, so many offers, they basically split and went to separate careers. Uh, They've both been super successful. And um, so different they variables kind of led to all to these teams sort of joining and, and dissolving huh, over the years. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a series of, of rings and you've got to, get them all to line up at exactly the right moment for a movie to be made and made well. Hmm. And in many ways that happened for us in Bloodshot because we kept working with Eric. And then we met a director, super talented director by the name of Dave Wilson, who ended up directing the movie. And right. Dave is the preeminent video game, trailer, short film director. He does, he works only for the top people, Star Wars, Elder Scrolls, The District, all the biggest, oh, okay. biggest. So that's where, he, that's where he was at before, before the... Uh, before features, before yeah, he worked, things, huh? worked at a company called Blur, that, that, and he's just super talented. Very cool. And uh, he came in, he's also a great storyteller, and had three huge, big revelations for us on the script that we were working on. And that those three really, along with everything that we've been doing for years, Eric's work, etc., Matthew Vaughn, cracked the movie for Sony. In their minds, we were all waiting for like the movie to really feel like 
now it works in every piece. Substance. Yeah. And so Sony were eager to bring a star on and we talked to a few stars and Vin Diesel was someone that I'd always hoped that we would get someone like that. It's not him. Um, right. And of course, Neil. A fitting and, role. Yeah. And Neil Moritz and Toby Jaffe had worked with them on the Fast film, so we were able to ah, bring them so on board. There's already some networking there. Some yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. And, um, and then things got fast from there. And then, then it's the whole flip side of the coin of, like, of production, which is its whole own beast altogether. Right. Yeah. They, I can't imagine, really. You, so you, you're starting already with your script. You know who's yeah. going to... You, you've got the money. You've got the actors. You know, And now it's time to really yeah. hit the ground and... That's when the unique problems start arising, huh? Well, then you get then you get the fact that you're. We were shooting in South Africa, so we are as far away from from Los Angeles, from Hollywood as you can be. Oh wow! Okay, so the whole was the whole thing uh, shot there. The whole thing was shot in South Africa with some. Well, that's not true. We did a little bit in London. We did a little bit in Montreal in in um, additional photography, and we did some drone photography in uh, in Eastern Europe. Okay. But the majority nice. of the film is shot in South Africa, either on location or mostly in giant sets that we built. Because you can build these incredible, the, the talent in South Africa is really high. So you can build these incredible sets, huge sets. Um, and so all of RSTs are set, all the big set pieces in terms of action. The big, we built like a mile long tunnel. It's awesome. Oh, wow. So they're like yeah. uh, true size or like uh, like building huge. size sets, huh? Yeah. Oh, huge. Like two, three story sets. It's crazy. Oh, Super wow. fun to watch. Right. And there's with so many. The, with all the rigs and things to get your camera guys oh, moving yeah. to, huh? That whole, I don't know if you've seen the film, the whole action set piece on the elevator. We built a five-story tall section of an elevator uh, with three of them, three shafts, so we could oh. do that fight scene in there. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's wild. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about making a movie is there's a lot of money, first of all, in like comics. Second of all, people are the most talented in their profession. So it's set designers, painters, VFX, people, makeup. You're just dealing with people that every minute, every day, you're just awed by how talented these people are. Just really the at the, that at the peak life. of their profession yeah. and really contributing a lot, huh? Oh, it's so it's so exciting. But then you're also dealing with grueling, grueling hours. You're dealing with the human problems of, of you know, just that many people working together. There's going to be drama. You're right. dealing with a shoot that every second you stop, you're wasting money, right? Like you, there's no days off. You just run, run, run. You're running that gauntlet. Hmm. Um, and it's constant compromises. It's constant trying to fix it. It's, it's just... Nobody can get sick. Nobody can get injured. The weather has to play its part. I mean, it's stressful. Even even but Mother fun. Nature has to play her role, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. How, how long was the, the full shooting process? Our South Africa a process was 60 days of shooting with okay. a couple months of pre-production. And then we did um, about a year of post-production, which included shooting in London, shooting in Montreal. Oh, um, awesome. A lot of VFX work. Cool. So at that point, you had kind of the bulk of the film really done, and just adding some, uh, some, some bits and pieces, huh? Some details. Yeah, yeah. the The studio saw the movie, and they were very excited about the movie, and they essentially said to us, "If we gave you more money, what would you do? What could you do to make this film bigger and better?" Nice. And they, it wasn't a guarantee. It was like you got to pitch us some ideas. We pitched them a couple of things. Dave had a really cool uh, idea for a bigger set piece in the end, and they said, "Great, do it. Go do it." Go to go to London, go shoot it. Go to Montreal, get Vin back, get everybody back. That's awesome. <laughs> Calling yeah, back fun. the cast. How was Vin yeah. Diesel to work with? I mean, the guy's been a movie star, and he's been in four franchises at least that I can think of top of my head. He's made so many movies. He's been there for so long. He just knows everything. He's like a Jedi master. <laughs> just seen so many so many teams and projects and and, yeah. and a high degree of success there. He's kind of like you hear about Tom Cruise, where they just worked with so many of the best people the best producers the best writers the best directors so many massive movies they just know it they've just they're trained for it and so kind of start absorbing all of that he's very he's very good that way he was very uh because it's my first movie he was very much uh, anytime i need anything he would he would try and like educate me on he would give me long speeches about how they built fast fears which i loved hmm. and um and he was a real producer on it. he's he's credited as a producer on the movie which happened during the process Oh, because wow. he was doing the job yeah really helped for me it was great offering because those, my first movie i get i get you see the movie and the credit my name comes up and it says dinesh Sunny vin diesel so there's my name for the first time in a movie right next same screen as vin diesel it's just Dude, kind of fun that's pretty awesome man any is that something that you would have expected or something you were planning for you know at no at, no for I a mean, long the, time or it just kind of 
opportunities happen and you, you took the, the steps you did, huh? The movie business is ruthless, man. Up until the movie came out, I didn't even know if I was 100% going to get a credit. You know, you, you just, and there were many times where, I mean, I was off the movie once. There was a three-week period where Valiant had changed hands. There was a management change. Right. And I didn't, I had negotiated an arm's length deal. So I was a designee that the board had decided would work on the movie. I wasn't tied to the movie, even though I developed and I'd come up with a lot of the stuff. I'd built it for, for a decade at that point. Hmm. And um, the new management took over and they decided they were going to be the designee. Okay. Uh, it's terrible. It's dis disappointing, but it, it's just business. Wow. And, yeah. uh, and through some machinations, Sony decided they were going to bring me back on board three weeks later. Hey, awesome. Uh, and so, you know, there was periods where you're like, okay, is this thing that I helped build going to happen without me? Am I going to miss right. the best part? What a, Am I what gonna... a big project yeah. to have taken so many years there. It's like the cathedral, you know, or like some of these older like monuments where it just takes so many people so long. I think that in general, when we're watching films at times, you forget how, how big of a team or how long of the shoots were, or how much involvement there was yeah. from an admin or an investor level. It's just a... Uh, but even the it's bad ones, machine. man, even like the ones that we watch and we're like, what were they thinking? That was terrible. And it's, it's, it's dead. It's DOA at the box of us on a Friday afternoon. Right. That movie is the same amount of work as a movie like The Godfather, which we're watching our 80th documentary about the making of and interviews. Right, if that right. other movie was good, there's just as much to talk about. And it's, it's just weird. It's just so much, it's so much work. The same passion or the same long hours are there yeah. and everyone working, yeah. doing the best, you know? Yeah. Like I watch a, a great example of that there's some people uh, we were we were blessed to have a lot of really good reviews and we did really really well covid killed us at the box office but we did really well vod we did incredibly well on home video but it's a movie that there are there is a contingent of people that they they don't like it they don't like vin diesel they don't like the action movies so we get like a 10 percent of people just being like this is not great Mm. And it's Do you think that those see, folks were looking for a different kind of bloodshot or they just came to the movie not knowing bloodshot and are just offering their opinion freely often i found often what those people are is people that want us to make a marvel movie and we were doing uh. everything we could to not make a marvel movie because we couldn't we didn't have the money to make a marvel movie. we had a lot of money but we didn't have more money than every other movie which is a marvel has right. so we weren't trying to compete at that level I we were see. trying to make a modern terminator or robocop something like the total recall right right which i think modern falls in that. line well with the with the idea of bloodshot that I've, that I have still from the, the character and everything. So it's a, it's good to see yeah. that take on the screen. Yeah. I know there's definitely some others that have, have gone South or that I've looked at and been like, all right, I don't know where the creative direction was on that one, but. <laughs> there's so many, again, there's so many pieces that have to go right. Every one of those movies that's bad starts in a place at some point in that process, that movie was great. Yeah. It yeah, was great. You wonder, the first right? cut was great, <laughs> but stuff just, there's so many pieces stuff gets in the way. I watch a whole lot of uh, riff tracks and mystery science theater 3000. Yeah. And so you, you see these films from the eighties, like a, a C or D list kind of film. And it's just, man, someone spent like 10 grand on this and yeah. you know, they, they wrote the script and filmed yeah. the, the scenes, but it's a, uh... yeah, it's full of love. Whether it's good <laughs> right. or not, it's full of love. Right. Now it's awesome, man. Um, do you have plans to stay involved with, with movies and, and more features here going forward or is that yeah, so... idea the, the focus? No, so I started Bad Idea. I'm lucky enough to have been able to choose at this point. Very, very lucky to be able to choose what I want to work on uh, in terms of industry. So I chose to start Bad Idea. I wanted to work back in comics again. And I like I like the movie and TV business. So I started a company, one of the co-founders company called Hivemind. Right, that's um, the company I saw um, with The Witcher and yeah. Expanse tied to it, huh? Yeah, yeah. And The Witcher was a huge hit for us. And so, so Hivemind is essentially the Witcher company at this point. And okay. so, but we had been building a lot of stuff. So I formed another company called All Nighter and All Nighter is doing everything non-Witcher related. So I'm um, hmm. thinking what we announced, we announced um, we're doing weird fantasy based on the EC comics uh, oh, title. Cool. Um, we've cool. got a massive director on that huge showrunner that we haven't announced yet, but that one I'm really excited about. We're doing Luther Strode, the Justin Jordan comic book. Oh, awesome, man. Cool. Just brought a director on, on board that. Yeah, the we're legacy. Doing, the legacy of yeah. Luther Strode. <laughs> yeah, Strange Town, The Legacy with Trad, right. Trad Moore's amazing art. What else are we doing right. that we've announced? We're doing the Alone and Honest trilogy with Brian Taylor, huge seminal uh, science fiction books. Brian wrote, wrote and directed the Crank movies. 
um, just did Happy on television. Uh, so yeah, awesome, awesome. and then so, you know, there's Bloodshot too. Ah, well. it's in the pipeline already, huh? There's there's some I probably shouldn't say too much. There's some Bloodshot stuff going on. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, it did it did very 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 well. Did very very well. Dude, excited to see more of that. I've been reading the current ongoing uh, Bloodshot title. It's one of the first Great. Bloodshots that I've been following. Yeah, um, issue each issue uh, with Tim Seeley there on it. Cool. And it's a definitely been a good good story. It's a cool character. Which uh, which Valiant character did you like the most? Is was it Bloodshot? Is that why there's a Bloodshot movie? Or I tried to make them all, man. I tried to make every one of those movies. That's um, awesome. It's real hard. <laughs> we got very close. I think I think had I still been at Valiant, uh, if I if I was able to still be at Valiant when the movie came out, I think a lot more would have gone into production. We were building towards the dominoes falling once Bloodshot came out. Hmm. Um, favorite character. It's hard to pick. You know, they all felt like my babies at that point. Yeah, uh, man. After and spending the time still telling, yeah. they still you still have that that kind of connection. Is there a I little mean, bit of a um, a pang there if that you're not um, connected to the project anymore, or does it feel okay now that you've? You no, know, it's hard. Got other. It feels terrible. It feels terrible. I have a I have a valiant shaped hole in my heart. I love oh, those characters oh, as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, I loved them more than Marvel DC, and to be able to run it and to be able to to be lucky enough that people like the books and give it kind of a second life. Yeah, it was amazing. Definitely. But no one should cry for me. Listen, I, I, I'm very, very happy. <laughs> I get to do so many cool things. Bad idea is amazing. Right. I get to, right. I'll show you something. There's going to be like a, like a, uh, a terrible move, but I'm going to do it. Um, I get to fill my, my, I just have happen to have this here. I get to fill my valiant shaped hole in my heart with um, things like this. Very nice. <laughs> so, uh, and they, there you go. That's a that's a tease for people to get onto the patron. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. If if anyone is listening, you know, you need to subscribe to the Patreon to see here what Dinesh has just showed us. Some greatness. <laughs> some frame. We'll never we'll never say it. We'll never say what nope. it was. It's it's essentially the ash can of this episode. It's a one it's a one <laughs> one time thing. It's why you need to subscribe. <laughs> you see, I'm helping. This is the bad idea marketing coming, yeah, I coming like to it. you. That's you're really on you're on on par with that, man. I need to bring you on more often here. <laughs> <laughs> no it's 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 awesome to talk about your projects here it sounds like there's a lot of of current plates you have spinning is there a a capacity that you have creatively or with the, with your teams or are you still looking to find that for yourself no sure there's there's absolutely capacity uh uh there's like a creep i find myself or at least everyone i work with tells me that there's like a dinesh creep where we decide <laughs> to do a certain amount of stuff and then it slowly gets bigger the scope creep, um, huh? there's also that kind of hedonic i think it's hedonic treadmill right where once you you're doing the same thing yeah. for so long that now it's well it feels normal so you start to do more and then now you've been doing that and it's just kind of oh god builds, you're absolutely right, right. i never <laughs> heard that but that's totally that's totally correct so I constantly find myself having to, to pull back, but then there's also tricks, right? You, you try and, and work at people you have a shorthand with, you try and uh, not, not kind of uh, be uh, uh, gratuitous in, in what you're working on. So you, you try and be very brief with your emails. I try and do meetings that are 45 minutes instead of an hour, which sounds small, but it does add up in your day. Or focus uh, on really what that time is going towards, huh? Yeah, and I do this horrible thing where I start every meeting with, Instead of 15 minutes of like, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, happy New Year, whatever. I saw me like, well, listen, so we got a couple of things we got to cover here. So I'm just going <laughs> to jump right in. The meeting basically starts before everyone's everyone's logged in, huh? <laughs> yeah, but then but then it gets it gets everyone a bit able to either get back to their families quicker or get to the next thing quicker or just you know just do more stuff. It's definitely a definitely a good approach, man. Well, we're we're coming up here in the top of the hour. Uh, we definitely have so much See, more just to like talk that. about. That's perfect. Uh, that's how you do it right right and uh uh where else can folks find bad idea comics or find more information about um about you and and the co-ceos and other members of the team um bad idea comics are a little hard to find but they're worth the effort there are 250 bad idea destination stores in the world uh highly recommend you pre-order because it seems that the interest is greater than than we have printed um but just follow, you know, follow it on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we'll keep you up to date. There's also a fantastic fan group. The Bad Idea Facebook fan group is fantastic. A lot of the stores are there. They make it super easy to find the books there. Hey, awesome. Yeah, guys, definitely get ENIAC and Looters on the, on the list. Check out the rest of the books coming out. They're you know, only releasing a few a month. They've got some pretty cool deals to just make sure you don't miss out on a release. So 
Uh, we're all kind of anxiously awaiting ENIAC's release here at the beginning of the week. But man, I just want to thank you again for, for jumping on the episode here. Thanks, and man. Thanks for having me. As always, folks, you can find the news reviews podcast on afterdragons.com. And you can find me on Twitter at afterdragons underscore. And we'll be back with more creator interviews and good comic discussions here down the road. Thank you.